Hi, I'm Beck Rayner, and this is the Military Wife Life podcast, a podcast that celebrates, empowers, supports, and embraces the spouses behind the military members by building connections, acknowledging our strength, focusing on self-care and our mental health. Let's do this together. Want to join a bank that just gets Defence Life? Defence Bank is one of Australia's largest customer-owned banks. They have 33 on-base branches across Australia, an award-winning banking app that allows you to do all your banking wherever, whenever, and Defence Bank offers competitive products and services tailored for ADF members and defence spouses. Visit defencebank.com.au today and see how easy your banking can be. Well, welcome Chantelle to the Military Wife Life podcast. Hi. So you and your husband have been together for six years. Can you tell me how you met and how you uh, came to be? I feel like my story is something out of a cheesy Hallmark movie slash like a Tinder biopic. But <laughs> basically, I worked full time at a salon. I was a senior stylist for a few years and it was a Friday night. Nothing's open. The girls and I from the salon didn't feel like takeaway. So we went into Crown in Melbourne and being as unexperienced as we were, we saw these group of guys um there was probably about eight and they looked like the most mismatched (laughs) group of guys I've ever seen some wearing bodies and tank tops with their hair gelled and spiked up there was some in like full suits there was jeans there was a guy who looked like a cowboy Steve just looked pretty casual and they all had matching haircuts and they all walked the same and they like were in like a tight group and we bumped into each other you know everyone sort of had drinks we all had food together at the bar it was cute and everyone sort of paired off and and chit-chatted none of the boys said what they did for work they all said that they were at some this like government traineeship right (laughs) so they must have just had the slideshow of do not tell girls where you work (laughs) because none of them said it like Steve told me he was an apprentice electrician doing a program through the government that was his line to me when we first met and he was really quiet and funny and he had these big blue eyes and I was like oh, I'm not really interested I'm not looking for anything and he was not my type because he was bald and I'm a hairdresser so I was like eh <laughs> he gave me his number on a piece of paper because I am notorious for my phone constantly dying and he was like oh no, I'll just write my number down you can text me if you want and left it at that I left the paper behind on purpose slash not so on purpose because I was like I'm not interested like he's cute but eh, I have my life I have my two-year-old I was not interested I just wanted to you know be single forever I was an independent woman and all that sort of stuff and the next day a friend of mine said oh you know that guy was really cute you guys really hit it off he had some chemistry and I was like oh whatever this is so lame this is no jumped onto tinder and he was the first profile that actually popped up and I went oh this is the guy from last night she goes oh well it's meant to be just swipe I was like no I don't know I did we matched and we talked talked and talked and talked and he had this really dry sense of humor and it matched my sarcasm completely and it took him six months to tell me that he was in the navy I can't believe that that's crazy (laughs) when he finally did tell me I was like oh so like if you're an electrician like you work what like with the buildings and the computers and he's like no not really and I was like oh okay so like what you fix like the computers and he goes yeah on the ship I was like oh in my head I didn't click that he meant like he goes away so I'm like oh okay so like you have an office job and then you know like in IT in hospitals like you're not a doctor or or a nurse but you go and fix the stuff but you don't do anything else and he goes and then the bombshell hit of like oh sometimes I might go away for like three to six months six months tops and I kind of went oh 
I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. But by that point, it was six months in. I'd fallen in love. I wasn't going to be led astray off my goals and career path and all that sort of stuff. And he finished his thing and he goes, oh, if you want to come to Sydney with me, we have to go live together for 90 days and have a joint bank account and do all this stuff together so that you can get a move with me because I'm not interested in doing like long distance sort of thing. He goes, I'm all or nothing. And he kind of dropped that bombshell just before rap, so stand down. And he went back to his hometown in Nullumboy, which is the middle of nowhere in East Arnhem Land. And I had gone to Canada to do Fashion Week. So that's the kind of level of hairdressing that I was at, which is why I was so against, you know, moving or, or quitting my job or anything like that. I was really focused. And while I was in Canada, I kind of went, oh, I don't think I can live without him. Um, sure, like this will be a really good adventure. Why not? Famous last words, right? And... I came back. We got a tiny little beach shack in Mordialic in Melbourne, which was halfway between my salon and Cerberus. And yeah, we got de facto approved. He moved up first. Then I finished up my contract with my job, uh, came up a few months later, and I made the biggest mistake any defence spouse can make, which is let your husband or partner choose the house you're going to move into without having a look yourself first. <laughs> We moved into this tiny little apartment in St. Leonard's in Crow's Nest, which is really close to his work, but there was no backyard. My eldest at this point was three. We barely had any furniture together because we didn't have five minutes to get ourselves sorted. We had no idea about the landlord. So our dinner table for ages was just a tiny little desk from Ikea that we all sat at and ate. We had one couch, we had the beds. And I remember for ages, we sat on the floor until Toll found our container that they lost on the way up. (laughs) And yeah, it's been a pretty crazy whirlwind since I first met him. So basically you're saying you went from being at Fashion Week to realising that you wanted to be with this guy and him obviously not long before Fashion Week, dropping the bombshell that he was actually in the Navy, not just a contractor or <laughs> not yeah. just working for the Navy. When, what was, when, at what point did you sort of wrap your head around what it would entail actually being with him? Because obviously you were doing your thing, he was doing his thing. But then yeah. you sort of to re- started to realise that, okay, when he says that he actually works for the Navy and he goes away and he actually is involved in that sense... How did you sort of wrap your head around that? Uh, Well, my very not-so-smart self decided to watch a couple of episodes of Military Wives and I was like, oh, this is cute. I could do this. You know, I'm not clingy. I'm the opposite of clingy, in fact. And (laughs) I thought it was going to be all sunshine and roses. Like, he'd be going, it'd be cute. I'd make all these friends. I'd have my own, like, home salon. Like, what could go wrong? Everything could go wrong. Everything, all the time. (laughs) Especially when, you know, you move to a new city and, you know, there are some great organisations like DCO or whatever they're called now, open arms, all that stuff. But when you get to a new city and you live somewhere where there's not another single defence spouse next to you or around you to kind of go, hey, you know, this is where the local shops are or pop around for a coffee if you ever feel like one. It is the most isolating feeling. And I went from this like, ah, I'm, you know, no bull kind of girl to oh, what do you mean you're, you've got duty tonight? You can't possibly go on duty tonight. Uh, I'm really lonely. Like, I don't think, you know, you've had duty like three times this week. Why are you getting lashed for something else? Oh, it's because you're the new guy. Oh, um, yeah, I, 
I don't know if this is for me. Like I had some serious doubt and I remember calling my mum once and she said, are you okay? What's wrong with you? Like, this is not you. I said, mum, I'm like, I'm super lonely. And the realisation that it was nothing like TV, the isolation can be all consuming. I remember at one point I was... Oh, I think Jasper would have just turned three and a friend of mine was like, oh, you should come down to Melbourne. You know, Melbourne Fashion Week's on. We need some extra hands. Do you want to earn some extra cash? And I sat there and I thought, oh, I don't know if I'm still good enough to do this. And I kind of just went, oh, no, no, I'm okay. Thank you. And it was purely because I hadn't seen Steve in six weeks because they were doing weekly run-ups. I didn't realise that was a thing. I thought, you know, they might go away for six months out of the year and then be home for the rest of it. But he was gone like Monday to Friday or Monday to Monday, sometimes two-week blocks, four-week blocks, you name it. And then when they got home, they're like, oh, by the way, just to continue on your training, you're going to go to Perth for three months with like a two-day break. So you come home off the ship, you know, unpack, then you're going to repack because you're playing leaves at nine o'clock on Sunday and then you're going to be gone for three months and I remember going oh this isn't part of the package I don't like I think he didn't really know what was in store for him so he couldn't pass it on to me and I didn't know how to plan my life around that so it was a huge culture shock plus everything else with moving towns as well. So how did you both get on the same page with it because obviously he was feeling his way through just finishing his training and actually doing the job and all that's required of him how did he balance that with moving you to where he was and then him being away and then you guys trying to have a relationship but then also you feeling your way in a new location how did you sort of manage that? We probably wouldn't have lasted very long if it wasn't for one of his trainers from Cerberus. Um, he has a family, he's got four kids and he was just this amazing mentor at the time for him. He sort of knew all the paperwork to fill out. He knew all the resources for me to get in touch with. He was the one that was like, oh, you should get your wife to go to like play group with her kid at Kissing Point Cottage. Like, you know, take her to the open family days, like do stuff with her. Like I know how isolating it can be, like do all of this stuff and take her. And yeah, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I would have stayed in Sydney. I probably would have gone, this is too hard basket. You can stay in Sydney. We're going to do long distance and if you don't like it well tough luck and then looking back on it I realized a lot of it was hormones because I had one of those pregnancies where you don't actually realize you're pregnant till you're like five months pregnant (laughs) so us moving to Sydney and all of that sort of extra heightened sense of despair and depression and all of that was probably also a lot to do with the fact that I was pregnant and had no idea and I remember calling my mom and my sister um, when I found out and they were just like you guys are moving way too too fast because at the time there was a lot of what are you doing? You don't know this person. I had been dating Steve sort of secretly. So I wanted to make sure it was a real deal. So when I got back from Canada, I was like, hey, mom, hey, dad, you know, hey, sis, this is Steve. By the way, we're moving in 90 days to Sydney and I'm going to move out to Mordialic and I'm going to do all this stuff. And my sister just was in this tailspin of, I beg your pardon. (laughs) Then when we get there, four months later, I've told her, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant. She's just gone, what are you doing? Like, this is not the person who you were a year ago. This is not the person who went to Canada and was like, I'm on top of the world. I'm, you know, going to be this, you know, high-flying hairdresser and all this other stuff to now a homemaker in a different state and a stay-at-home mum. She was like, she couldn't reconcile these two people in her mind. Yeah, like I just, I don't think without some of the mentorship that Steve had in his early career, whether he would have stayed in the Navy or whether 
I would have been able to continue living in Sydney because it was such an isolating time those first few months. So how did you reconcile with the fact that you were such a different person from a year before? Fast forward to, yeah, being so lonely and and being over the top upset that he had another duty because at the end of the day, he is your world. You've moved for him. He's basically the only person you know. Um, You're relying on each other for that support and human contact. And I know what it feels like when it's another thing that the Navy is asking of them and why can't it why can't you just be with me and why can't you help me like you know I'm here all alone and I'm trying to feel my way through and you're the only other person that kind of knows even though they're not experiencing the same way as you are that kind of knows what's happening here how did you reconcile with the person that you were to fast forward the person that you your family were trying to reconcile with you being as well so it took me actually a really long time to sort of go okay yes I was this person. I was this hairdresser. I was really full on. I had a bit of a party lifestyle. I was a good mum. I didn't have to answer to anybody to, oh, honey, what would you like for dinner tonight? I've you know, made bolognese from scratch and I made the pasta because I was bored and I had nothing else to do (laughs) today. Oh, what's that? You're not coming home tonight for dinner. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just go and like throw you dinner in the bin because I'm so angry at you. But I did it, but I felt like it. It wasn't until Louis, my middle child, was around two. I'd started going to this supported play group in West Ride because his behavior was out of control. I couldn't get a handle on him. He was just on the go so much, so full on, couldn't sit still. It was borderline needing an assessment, but he chilled out a bit once he got a bit older. He was just, he's very sensory seeking. So I found that super challenging. And I remember Steve came home from a nine-month deployment and there was a letter in the mailbox. At this point, we had moved from St. Leonard's to North Ride because we outgrew our unit and DHA were like, not enough bedrooms, age allocations, we're going to move you. So we moved and I got a yeah, letter in the mailbox and it said, oh, welcome to the cottage open day. There's going to be farm animals and face painting. And I hadn't realised just how strong my anxiety had sort of managed to affect my life. And I remember going there and I said to Steve, he was like, you really need to do this. You need to go there. Like, just go and take yourself. It'll be fine. And we'd been in North Ride for about eight months before this letter came in the mail. And I kind of went, oh, but, you know, what if it's clicky or, you know, what if everyone knows each other and I'll be excluded? And Steve's like, just go. He's like, I will come with you. I'm going to take the day off and we're going to go together. I will keep an eye on Louie. You know, we'll take Jasper. It'll be fine. You won't have to worry. Because my biggest thing was if Louie acts out or, you know, is a bit too rough with another child or hurts them, I just didn't want that sort of judgment look on why can't you just control your kids like what's wrong with them because that happened a lot Um, at playgrounds I stopped going to playgrounds I had stopped going I've never taken my boys to an indoor play center purely because Louis wouldn't listen and so my biggest fear was he's going to get to the top of one of those things and not come down at all and I couldn't climb up. <laughs> so there was this, this sense of anxiety as I got there. And when we did, everyone was so lovely and so welcoming. Nine out of 10 defence spouses wish they found out about Defence Bank sooner. Okay, I might have just made that up and they do sponsor my podcast, but I've checked them out and I think they're worth a look just for their banking app alone. It's award-winning, has cool features like fast same-day payments, card alerts and controls, and pin change functionality, savings roundups, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Fitbit Pay, Garmin Pay, the list goes on. Oh, and if you really want to go to a branch, you can. There are 33 on-base branches across Australia. 
banking as a defence spouse doesn't have to be hard. For more info, visit defencebank.com.au. And I could see the relief in Steve's face of me enjoying myself because he was really concerned that I was just, you know, walking Jasper to school every morning, coming home, I'd put the TV on for Louis and that would be kind of it. Like I'd fold the laundry, do, you know, household stuff and then it would be time to go pick up Jasper from school and that was our day, like no playgrounds, no nothing. We'd go with my next door neighbour occasionally. She was really lovely. But other than that, I really struggled. And it wasn't until my mum sort of came up to visit once where she's like, you're a completely different person. Like I, you just have changed like outside and in. She goes, you're not the person who you were a couple of years ago. And I said, oh, is that a bad thing? She goes, no, but it's just, you know, and I'm still holding on to the uh, black leather pants and, you know, structured blazer and high heels and pink lipstick. And I had like short blonde, platinum blonde hair, full face of makeup every day to that I was with my essential oils and long flowy skirts and sandals all the time. And my mum was like, cannot put you two together. <laughs> and I just remember, you know, after my mum got home, called me and she goes, oh, you know, are you sure you're okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's perfect. There's nothing to worry about. Because for me, I didn't want to burden my family with how much I was sort of struggling with the anxiety of being by myself. But going to the cottage made me kind of go, oh, I'm still me. Yes, I'm a mom and yes, I'm a defence spouse, but I'm actually still me and I still have things that I enjoy to do and I still should matter and take priority in choosing where I want to live. It's not about what everyone else wants to eat or what everyone else wants to do or where they want to go all the time. I can make myself a priority and not feel bad about it. And you mentioned that your partner went with you that day and he saw that you're able to connect with other people and he had that sort of sense of relief. If you hadn't have been pushed to do that, what do you think would have happened like how would you have foreseen things going like were you getting to the point where you're sort of questioning whether you could do this for long term or were you kind of thinking oh hopefully he gets out and I won't have to deal with this like obviously you had extra needs that you were dealing with with the kids but still in the background you've given up your career you've moved you've you know you don't have that support network around you so it wouldn't have just been the kids that was playing into the anxiety it would have been I guess the total package like what would you have foreseen happening for myself I probably would have put Louis into daycare full-time and tried to find a job just to get that human interaction because one thing like Steve said to me a really long time afterwards because he couldn't reconcile the fact that sometimes I was the only adult he had spoken to like that I had spoken to for days at a time he couldn't understand that you know if he was gone Monday to Friday and come Friday I'd walk in the door kids would be all over him and I would either be really quiet and as soon as the kids went to bed all he wanted to do was go to sleep and I would just you know that picture of the um the stick figure like spewing a rainbow Mm -hmm. that was me just constantly and he's like oh I love that you've you know, you want to talk about your week, but I don't need a blow-by-blow description of everything you've done. And I'd say, oh, you're the only person I've spoken to since Tuesday. And he would look at me like, what? And I said, yeah, well, the checkout lady doesn't count because half the time they don't even make eye contact. And <laughs> looking back on it, I would have 100% either gotten a job or, you know, maybe tried to start up like a home business or go back to Melbourne for family support. Those were pretty much my only options. That day that you went to that, the day at the cottage and then obviously opened up that kind kind of world or that sort of side and connection for yourself. I mean, you can go to any play group, you can go to any catch up group or whatever, but it's not the same 
as going to a place where there are other spouses who get it. Like there's just that extra level where they, a hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, was that the difference with totally. the fact they just get it when you say that, they whereas when you go to another play group, they might think, Oh yeah, your husband's away for work, but they really just don't get the fact that they don't or they, your life. they have this like pity. They talk with you with pity or they're like, Oh, my husband loves us so much. He couldn't possibly do that for work. And you kind of just say that I'm like, what? Or, you know, that we've, I've had that one before. I've had the, Oh yeah, I completely understand. My husband goes for business trips and I said, Oh, you know, for like a month to Singapore or something. And she's like, Oh no, no, just like a day or two down to Melbourne. And I'm like, ah, I mean, it's hard, like it's all relative and everyone's in their own lanes, but you know, the complete lack of understanding from non-military spouses. And I can see how intimidating that can be to someone who doesn't get the lifestyle when they, you know, might come to one of the playgroup sessions because the cottage isn't exclusive just to defence spouses. It is open to the public as well. But if they were to come and everyone's talking about, oh, you know, I before pre-COVID, you know, so-and-so's gone for six months. I'm going to go down to my mum's for three months just to get a bit of help. And they, you know, will pack up the car and they leave for three months. And that's totally normal in our circles. Like I know a few friends who will go, you know, to wherever, you know, for a month or two just to get a bit of help while they're away. And we're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, good luck on your trip. And, you know, you've got the friend who has no idea what you're on about. And they're like, you people move back to your parents for a couple of months. That's insane. And we're like, no, no, it is a lifesaver. I guess it's also the continual, because it is the lifestyle, whereas other people that aren't defence and do have partners that go away for business trips and things like that, they can be guaranteed that, okay, when they're back, they're back. But whereas for us, it's when they're back, it could be two days later and they're gone, or it could be this could come up or they might not even come back on the date that they're supposed to come back. It's just that, that continual weight on your shoulders of not being able to rely on, you know, the schedule or your partner being home sort of thing that does sort of push you to need to go away for a month or to need to have those extra support networks because yeah, it's just not, it's not like they get back and they're like, okay, now it's the weekend and I'm all yeah. doesn't work that way. Exactly. And for months, like this last year, every time Steve would come home, even if it was just for the weekend or, you know, two weeks stint, he'd be home for. Without a doubt, no word of a lie, every time they would arrive back to shore, he'd have duty that night and duty the night before they left. And I remember at one point, like we're a Christian family and it was a Sunday and our pastor is ex-Navy himself. And I approached the pastor and I said, oh, can you just help us with something? And he goes, yeah, anything, you know, no, no worries. And I found like leaning into faith was such a strong turning point for me along, along with going to the cottage and making more friends and just putting myself out there again. And I approached the pastor of the church and I said, oh, can you write a letter to say that when Steve's here, he's a regular attendee? Because we just wanted to talk to the bill poster and say, hey, is there any way that like he's more than happy to do the Sunday duty, but like after 12, you know, just let him go and practice his faith and I remember Steve had to like write a special email and and put certain points of like where he had looked in Pac-Man and all this other stuff just to be able to go do that and I remember it being such a huge relief when they were like you know what for the next couple of months on Sundays you won't have any duty can you do them during the week instead and he's like you bet I can do during the week that's fine (laughs) it was just nice to sort of go okay I can deal with the Friday night you know, just come back from three weeks away and you're on duty, that's another night. But the Sundays were really wearing him down and 
having that ability to turn around and say, hey, this doesn't work for us. Can we change this? We're actually really surprised at Defence saying, yeah, sure, no worries. Let's get this sorted for you so it's a bit more fair. Because I had sort of grown to sort of feel like the Defence Force was this big, scary entity with no flexibility. You know, there was no point in asking for flexi hours because that wasn't going to be allowed. Or, you know, there was no point in asking because you weren't going to get it. And it changed for us. Like we were no longer scared after that point to kind of go, these are our needs. This is what we need. Can you work with us? And then also you mentioned reaching out for that support through the cottage and, you know, through a defence group. There was that hesitation because of your anxiety about feeling like you might not be accepted and what will they think of me if they'll have a, they might have a click already. I might not be able to, I might be the odd one out. It got to the point where luckily your partner as well helped you with that. You sort of pushed through it because you were at that, not breaking point, but at that point where, well, I can't keep going the way I'm going, but the way forward is kind of uncomfortable as well. Which one do I want sort of thing? But you sort of push through it to try connecting with people and and try that way. So at least you could, I guess, say, well, I've tried it and it didn't work for me or it was a happy ending and it did work for me. Yeah, and I'm still really good friends with the people who haven't been posted away. And I'm still friends with people who have posted away too. But it was kind of funny within two weeks. I said, oh, you know, I said to the coordinator, can I put you down as my emergency contact for the new school? And that wasn't even met with like any sort of peculiarity. It was just straight up, yeah, sure, no worries. Here's my mobile number. Call me if you ever need anything. And that's the type of people that you make friends with at the cottage is you know, the ones who might not know your kids or know where you live, but they'll find out and they'll be there when you've had to do an emergency run up to the hospital or broken an arm or twisted an ankle. Like that's the kind of support that I didn't realise was out there if you just put yourself out there a little bit. Would you suggest to people not waiting until, you know, you're at the point where you really do need it? Like as opposed to going into say, for instance, for new spouses going into defence life and straight away putting your hand up for that support or connecting with other spouses so you can have that totally different experience? Because what would your experience have been for those few years beforehand if you had connected with other spouses and not felt so isolated? I would have been like, oh, you're going for another couple of weeks. Sure, no worries. I'll see you when I see you. Have fun. You know, or, or bring me back a mug from Guam or something, you know? Like, it would have just been so much easier because I wouldn't have been watching the clock every day going, okay, there's only three more hours until he clocks off. There's only a 20-minute, half-an-hour drive from work. Like, counting down the minutes wouldn't have been a thing. And even I can't if- tell you how many fights Scott and I have had because it's like... <laughs> Well, he should have been on this train. Why isn't he home? It only takes yep. this amount of time to walk from the train station. Why yep. isn't he home for dinner? Like I need to talk to someone or I need, like I've made this dinner. Why is he not home? Yeah. My thing is if you don't have any kids, still go to a cottage, still go to your local thing on the barracks and just say hello, join a craft day. Who cares if you can't draw, sew, paint, whatever. Some of the best chats I've had was on Friday craft session with my kids being looked after in the other room. And I haven't done a single thing except drink coffee. I had biscuits and just talked the whole Friday. We talk about sex, relationships, religion, politics, all these deep and meaningful conversations that I haven't had with someone else, you know, for six months 
months because they're away. You know, that's happening on a Friday and it's life changing. It's great. Like we do the hard stuff together and, you know, the easy stuff like, oh, I won, you know, $50 in a scratcher this morning. What am I going to do with it to, oh, I have to organize a funeral. What do I do? Or I can't do it today. Can someone please help me cook dinner tonight? I just can't cope. So there's that rainbow of the really good stuff, the really hard and having a group of people like that. I know a lot of spouses, especially, I'm going to sound ageist, but like spouses are getting younger and younger. They're diving into this de facto thing and kind of going, oh, do I do uni or do I follow him around? And my advice is always do uni. It'll work out. Just get your career started and you can figure it out as you go because everyone else has figured it out as they went. You don't have to like block yourself into this martyr complex of like, I gave up my career because as soon as I got rid of that, I gave up everything for you. I moved states for you. Life got a lot easier. So I went, well, you know what? I chose to. I chose to quit my job. I chose that like he didn't force me to do anything so I make my own choices and I can make this be a really good experience or I can sit here and hate my life and hate the situation I'm in and you know wallow in self-pity because I'm you know, nearly 30 and I have not that much super and a lot of that is about being your own person like you mentioned like the spouses that are the younger spouses or the new spouses I totally get it they they do go into the experience and think what am I going to have to change on my side in order to make this work but no matter what you're always going to have to be your own person because they are going to go away they are going to be tied to the defense force and be you know somewhat controlled in where they can go where they can live when they're available to you all of that so that's always going to be there 100% you following them around and giving up your stuff is either way you're going to come to the realization that in order to deal this I have to be my own person I have to have my own stuff going on yeah not it's really not a great experience exactly and I'm really lucky that I went into this relationship with a career that you know it does take a bit of time to earn trust in a new area a new town as a hairdresser because everyone you know has their favorite but eventually word gets around and now I have my little salon from home which was a headache and a half to open you know two weeks before COVID blasted the world to smithereens but if I didn't have that that extra sort of pocket change to go oh you know what I found these really nice pair of walking shoes on my for my fitness kick that I've you know restarted eight times (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go buy them guilt-free like it's never been his or my money as such it's always been like the collective you know funds bills get paid out of it whatever's left over but I you know couldn't justify a pair of you know assets or something I would always just be like oh that's fine I'll just have five dollar cheapies from Kmart and then wonder why my back was sore and stuff like that whereas now having my own job and being able to be a bit more independent has made me kind of go oh yeah look I know you're home on Friday night but can you just sort out some takeaway for the boys? I've got work. And it's actually really empowering to say, I'm doing my own thing or don't wait up for me. I've got to go do this. It's great. You also have to fit around me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can't pick you up from work today. Uh, you're going to have to catch the train. <laughs> yeah. But it's also the fact that, you know, okay, you've made those connections at a community house. You've put yourself out there. You've been through good times and hard times with those friends that you've made. You've also yep. set up your own business. You've done that. You've got, you know, kids in schools. So it's not such a hard thing to think about, okay, if we do have to post somewhere and we do have to do that all over again, I know I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us and letting us in on your spouse experience. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
I so hope you are able to relate or take something away from today's episode. There are definite ups and downs to military life, but let's get the conversation happening so we can see that we are all in this together. We are all just doing our best. So until next week, you got this. Let's do this together one day at a time. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this episode has touched you, helped you, or given you that extra confidence to keep going, to continue to hold down the home front, to continue to do all the things, I would so appreciate it if you could pop into Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, a comment about what you would like to hear more of, or just some encouraging words. If you want to suggest a guest, I am always looking for new people to talk to. You can do that by jumping over to the website www.militarywifelife.com.au and clicking on our podcast page. I would love to hear from you. 